0: Well, good morning. Happy Sabbath. <clears throat> We're glad you're here, and it's wonderful to be able to enjoy the Sabbath together and, and worship God. <clears throat> My message this morning is is uh, a little, maybe a little bit different to begin with. It's, it's, a, it's about our, our kids' birthday party we had oh about oh, 15 years ago or so. Kids were maybe 10, 12, 13 years old around there, and at that time, there were a lot of kids at that age I was coming to our church and our church school. We had a co-op church school program, which is a little bit different. <clears throat> the parents were into uh, homeschooling, and they wanted to work together because uh, some could teach science, and some could teach uh, uh, English, and, and there was a lot of... Uh, uh, a group effort for our kids at that time. <clears throat> uh, I remember John Berquist was teaching science up there and Casey was uh, working with the, the sciences and, and Joy was helping and Jan Heiss. Uh, she was in charge and all the parents were working together. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, at that time it just worked out really well. Uh, today we have our own teachers, uh, that they're doing a fantastic job, but they need volunteers too. They need parents to help out as well. But uh, at this time, it happened to be that a movie came out <coughs> called Mission Impossible, and uh, all the kids were just you know going crazy about this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun and everything. Well, it will to be uh, our daughter's birthday, and she thought, well, what can we do for a little theme party for a birthday? And we decided to do a Mission Impossible <laughs> theme for her birthday party. So you know it has that tape that <coughs> says if you... If you uh, accept this mission and go da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, the music and everything, well, we had the, the cassette tape, and uh we put the mission was to come to the birthday party and wear sunglasses, and so all these kids come to the, to the house wearing sunglasses, and we had a, a, a scavenger hunt and all kinds of fun things, and it was just a lot of fun. <clears throat> but it's kind of uh, interesting that a... uh A movie, Mission Impossible, is totally unrealistic. It's full of actors acting out and special effects and all excitement and everything. And, and yet, uh, it's just all make-believe. There's just nothing to it whatsoever. And today we get caught up on those make-believe things and it's like, wow, this is so exciting. But you know what? There's some pretty exciting things in the Word of God which I'm going to call Mission Impossible. Uh, when we look at the, the Bible and, and the stories that it, it tells us, God is a God of the impossible. And to me it gives us a lot of encouragement to know that nothing is impossible for our God. When we look at even in the very beginning in Genesis, how the world was created is just an amazing thing. Imagine That In verse 2, it talks about, The earth was without form, and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Can you imagine, if you're in the grandstand of heaven, watching what was going on, how exciting it would be to see a creation of this earth. Imagine the earth. Form is void. It's dark. There's water over it. So it did have water, but it was just a place where no one could ever live. There is no light. You cannot live without light. And as if God could, could flip a switch and create light. Imagine that. Creating Light, something that we just take, you know, we assume that we have light every day. We just take it for granted. But God can create light. And Jeremiah in uh, chapter 32, he says the most amazing thing. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, in verse 17, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, You made the heavens and the earth by your great power, an outstretched arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. This morning, I'd like us to remember that there is nothing too hard for God to do. Nothing too hard in your life that God cannot give you strength for. There's nothing too hard that you're facing right now that God can't help you with. He has a thousand solutions we have no idea, but God has a solution for everything. Nothing comes as a surprise to God. He knows the future. He knows your future. imagine a God that can speak This world into existence, and day by day, he added to the earth. Immediately, he can create light. Immediately, he can create an atmosphere. He can create lands and seas, the sun, moon, and stars. He can speak, and there's thousands of species of birds and sea creatures, land animals, and, of course, the first human beings on planet Earth. And these were so special that he wouldn't just speak Adam and Eve into existence. He would actually form them from the dust and the clay and the ground and shape their face. Imagine Jesus shaping the face of Adam. He was the son of God. He was shaping him as his own son would be. And he made him perfect, not only physically perfect, but he meant, made him emotionally and spiritually perfect. And then God may outdone himself when he did Eve, but she was so beautiful and so lovely in character and form that Adam could not live without her. When he realized that she had sinned, he decided he would take her fate and die with her because he knew that the wages of sin was death. But they did not realize just how bad things would be. However, they learned to know that the Son of God, the Creator, had a great love for them as well. And he would not let them just die and never live again. But Jesus himself would take the penalty of their sins. He loved them so much that he was willing to die for the human race. In all of this, Jesus could look back at creation and say it was good. But on the seventh day, he rested. And in that day, he hallowed the seventh day. He blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Today, we, we celebrate creation. <clears throat> when we come to church and worship together, we're celebrating the creative power of the Son of God. Also on the Sabbath, besides celebrating uh, the Sabbath, we also celebrate <clears throat> marriage because on the seventh day, we have the start <clears throat> of a family of a man and a woman they can have children and experience the closest of relationships that a person can have when they're in Christ and through Christ in their relationship unfortunately the kids that don't go to our christian schools are told something different somehow that atoms and molecules and cells and and uh, all of those things just came out of a big bang and millions of years later Somehow these elements came together to form chromosomes and genetic codes and molecules and things that are so intricate, so advanced, so uh, things I can't even comprehend that even if it took a billion, trillion years, all those things, in my mind, could not come together Yet millions of people have been deceived in believing that evolution is a fact. But Jesus came to reveal the fact that he is the creator and that miracles can happen and that he can speak and things can change and be recreated immediately. That was a mission impossible that God gave. And yet he wants to have us experience His creative power in our life in that we can be born again. We can receive the the new covenant where he lives within us and our hearts are changed. We saw examples of the Mission Impossibles in the Old Testament. Consider Enoch who walked with God in a wicked world. He walked so closely and he was so integrated with, with the Lord and his communication and his life that God took him home without seeing death. Imagine Noah, another mission impossible. He obeyed God and, and built a ship that would hold hundreds of, of animals and to survive a flood that would be so destructive, the world has never been the same since. And how about Moses to, to take a couple of million of slaves out of Egypt and cross the deserts into the promised land? Moses had to, to take them out of the most powerful nation, Egypt. And it was not without a fight. <clears throat> the, the Pharaoh did not want to let them go. And so they were suffering uh, from the, the slavery and, and persecution. But Moses was able to, with the power of God, to lead them because God opened the doors. He led them out of Egypt through the walls of water of the Red Sea, and was able to give them water from a rock in the desert. He gave them manna, food to eat. And then during the daytime there was a a cloud that gave them the the shelter from the heat in the desert. And at nighttime a pillar of fire to keep them warm. God supplied all their needs in the desert. All the needs for over probably 2 million people, plus animals that needed food and water. And so today we worry sometimes about our job or where's our next uh, uh, income going to come from if we lose our job and what are we going to do when we retire, all these kind of things we can worry about. And we can look back to the Mission Impossible of how God protected the people of Israel going through that desert to the Promised Land. When they came to Jericho, it was the most fortified and largest city in Canaan. They had to pass through this area, and the city was blocking their way. And Jericho was so strong and so fortified with huge walls, there was no humanly possible way to take those walls down and, and to succeed in going there. But God had a way through. you through his power to take down the walls just by simply marching around the the walls of Jericho. And at a certain time, <clears throat> they would shout, and the angels shook down the walls, a great earthquake, and Jericho fell. That was a mission impossible. <clears throat> like our children's story the other day about David and Goliath, it was a mission impossible for a little shepherd boy to, to fight Goliath. And wind, yet God helped that little boy. King Jehoshaphat was surrounded by armies, the huge army of Moab and Ammon. This is in 2nd Chronicles. And it's just an amazing story of what happened. So I'm going to read a little bit if you'd like to open your Bibles and read with me. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20. And here we find a an impossible situation for God's people surrounded by enemies. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 1, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in uh, Hazazon Tamar, which is an engidai, And then Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. Here is an example in the Word of God that I think is very important for us. When we are surrounded by the enemy, the enemy maybe it's something that works, something that uh, we're involved in unfortunately or some problem that we can have legally or maybe it's financially or maybe it's a divorce or maybe it's some situation that we're going through. We're surrounded by the enemy, it seems like. What did Jehoshaphat do? He set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast. He talked to his friends, his nation, let us fast and pray and seek the Lord. And that is the number one step that we should do when we have something coming against us. And then in his prayer, we find that that uh, he realizes how much he needs God, and so he prays. In verse uh, 12, it says, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. <clears throat> when we have problems, whether it's a sickness or uh, a situation, take your eyes off that and put our eyes on where? On Jesus. Our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle this problem. It's okay to admit that we don't know everything. It's okay to admit that we are sometimes weak and helpless, for that is where we find our strength in knowing that we can keep our eyes on Jesus. And the answer came back, for the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, verse 14. And this is what he said in verse 15. Listen, all of you who of Judah, and and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, here is God speaking back to Jehoshaphat, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but whose? It is God's. It is God's battle. Sometimes when we are in a situation, it's not you against them. It's them against God. If you are truly in God's place, you're doing what is right, you're standing for what is right, it is not between you and them. It's between good and evil. And so it pays to fast and pray and make yourself, you are right with God. Seek God and keep your eyes on him. Say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to solve this problem, but I'm going to listen to you. And then God will speak to us Through the word of God or or through impressions, but mostly through the word of God. And he gives us these promises that he will take care of us. Because the battle is not ours, the battle is God's. We are in a situation on this earth between good and evil. And there is a lion, there is a, out there, like a demon trying to, to attack us. But we have the armor of God by faith. Amen? Amen. So this is what uh, what happened. So in verse 20 it says, They rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness. And they went out and Jehoshaphat said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. This is what he said before the battle. Because it was not his, it was God's. And so he was trying to make them understand that it is not them to do the fighting, it is God to do the fighting. And when he consulted with the people and appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. This is why when we come to church, it's good to praise the Lord. We praise him in experiences that we may have had, we praise him in music, we praise him in the prayer, we praise him by studying the word of God. Then all these things is so important for us to praise, and Jehoshaphat did the right thing, in that he sent the music and they're going to praise the Lord. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of the Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy who? One another. That is a mission impossible. Who would think that Jehoshaphat could be facing this huge, thousands of people to kill them, to destroy Jerusalem, And yet they would destroy themselves. This is a tremendous story that is, that is true. And I wish someday I could go to the Holy Land and and travel and see those areas where these battles came place, came to place. But we have the Word of God. We have archaeology which substantiates the Word of God as being true. And these things really did happen. And God is still the God today that He was back then. God did many miracles. And this testifies that nothing is too hard for God. Right now we are planning to do a a community farm up on the hill. It seemed like that's an impossible dream. We're going to be able to make that land grow vegetables. Uh, Years ago I'd I'd be up there and it was mostly just uh, gopher holes and weeds. It was nothing there. It didn't look like it grew anything but weeds and gophers. And it was an amazing thing to have an idea that we could have a, a farm up there and to grow vegetables not only for our church, our potluck, but mostly as an outreach to invite the community to come in and plant a garden and help out and to uh, have maybe a, a, a fruit stand or a, a, a something available to give to people. And all things could, could come out of this as a, a profit source for the school, uh, areas for, for witnessing. And so I think God has just really provided this. And as we saw a few years ago, as the thrift store did provide a lot of money for our school, well, that door closed, and now God is opening another door. And he brought in a young man, named Matthew. That was has energy and has a vision and dream and his family, and they, they're excited about working. And so, right now, we're, uh, we are negotiating with the conference to work out a financial plan that will work for us and for Matthew. And so, I just praise the Lord that God is opening the doors, and you know, for this, that is another mission impossible that didn't I didn't see coming. I really didn't see that coming, but God is going to work it out. And so, we need to pray for that that will be successful. Keep our eyes on the Lord. Will there be setbacks? There probably will be. But like Jehoshaphat, we can fast, we can pray, we can keep our eyes on the Lord, we can sing praises, we can encourage one another, because we know that God is opening these doors and He's blessing. And so let's not lose faith when things get rough, all right? Amen. Let's look at Another Mission Impossible and that was Jesus the Son of God how he came to this earth and demonstrated not only that he was the Messiah but he was the only way to the Father in heaven. What did Jesus do? The Mission Impossible was he fed the 5,000 with just a few loaves and fishes. How could you feed 5,000 people with just so little a little boy's lunch? Can God is God limited by a little amount of food? No, He's not. Nothing is impossible for God. He walked on water. It's impossible to do that. Yet Jesus walked on water. He raised the dead. How can you take a dead body and raise it to life that's already decaying, is dying? It's just I can't comprehend how that could happen anyway but but through just the miraculous power of God. God is omnipotent. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing comes as a surprise to him. He knows the future. He knows your future. He knows the trials that you're going to be going through the next few years. He knows what's going to happen with your family. And nothing is going to surprise him so that he has a need already worked out ahead of time. Maybe years in advance for whatever you may need. Uh, my parents uh, always believed that Jesus was was coming soon. Back in the uh, the the forties and fifties, when they're going through th- college, Jesus was coming soon. World War II came; it looked like it was a sign of the end. Jesus was coming soon. And so as they would grow and have a family and, and work in the church and, and, and things like this, it just seemed like it was inedible that within a few years, maybe five years, ten years, Jesus would come. And Jesus, and we're, we're still closer to that day, right? But we don't know the day nor the hour, but we must be ready for him to come. But <clears throat> my parents, they thought, well, since Jesus is coming so soon... We don't need to plan for retirement. We don't need to, to save a lot of money. We just give it to the church and, and we would just, you know, do what we can. And so they never had any money saved. And so unfortunately, as they became older, they couldn't work anymore and there became a real financial crisis. Uh, our daughter their daughter, my sister, uh, over a series of setbacks and divorces and everything just going wrong in her life, she left the church and went into the world. And uh, she worked in many different areas, in music, in her area in Tennessee. And uh, she married a man who was very wealthy. Well, after years of marriage, uh I'm not sure, of 15 years or so, 20 years of marriage. He became ill, and he passed away, and he left all this money for her. It wasn't a gigantic sum, but it was quite enough to take care of her and her mother and father. <clears throat> and so I went back to uh, my mother's 97th birthday just, uh, just a few months ago in Tennessee, Who would ever think that she would live to be 97? She was never that healthy. I mean, she was going to the hospital now and then. We didn't know what was wrong with her. She could just pass out and just be out on the floor and not revive for a long time. And then then she'd be fine. We just could not figure this out. And so, 97 years old, living with my, my sister in this nice home. They're taking care of her. Their needs are met. It's just amazing how God took care of, took care of them. They had that faith. And, you know, today, uh, I, I don't want to encourage you to not save anything for the future because that might be presumption. But if something happens where you're doing your best and you don't have maybe a nice account to live on, God will provide. God has a way to provide in ways we cannot imagine. And so, like Jehoshaphat, keep your eyes on him, pray, stay faithful, and remember the fight is not against you, it's against God. He will take care of his children. The creator of the universe created you in your mother's womb. He created your DNA. He created your chromosomes. He created your genetic codes. He knows your history, your inherited weaknesses. He knows all of this, and yet he loves you with all his heart, just as you are. Remember that you're a special design of God himself, and in your mind he saved a little space, for him to live and dwell with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Without the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> you're not whole. There is something missing in your life. When Jesus is in your life, you are whole because the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit enables you to have strength, to have faith, and this was the last testimony that, that Jesus gave the night before he was crucified. He said, this is in John chapter 17, verse 20. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. It is God's desire that we become one with him, that he can live within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine Jesus wanting to be one with you and me, and we are sinful. How could a holy, righteous God want to be one with a sinner? It doesn't make sense, does it? Yet he loves us, and he's willing to take those sins from us and cleanse us and to help us be born again and to experience the life that he had intended for Adam and Eve to have. He knows your sins. <clears throat> he knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles, what you're fighting against every day. He knows your addictions, your bad habits, your temper problems. He knows all of it, yet he loves you unconditionally. And he is willing to take the responsibility of your mistakes, of your sins, and take that to the cross, that it may be crucified and buried forever. He alone can set us free and give us a strength and grace every day. In Galatians, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives. But Christ lives within me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Jesus knows that we have to be born again. And that crucifixion, it was not just for him. It's a spiritual lesson that we need to die to self, die to those, those bad habits, those sins, and let him live within us. I want to share a little bit more from Galatians because that, that theme is so well put in chapter 3. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says, for you are all sons, and I'll add daughters, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, that's talking about us as Gentiles. There is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, that's why I said sons and daughters of God. Is for men and women. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? We can all be one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. My friends, there is a promise that God has for us. And because of Jesus in adopting us as sons and daughters, we have these promises that we can claim every day i believe that when he when he lives in us and when we submit ourselves to him in every way and allow him to be truly lord of our life that we can claim these promises to the fullest And we can say, as Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It may be your mission impossible, but remember that all things are possible through Christ. And we can pray like Jehoshaphat said. He fasted and prayed. He kept his eyes on Jesus and by doing that, we can receive his strength and grace every day. This morning, I'd like to uh, give a closing prayer. But if there's someone who wants to have special prayer for, I'd like to invite you to come to the front. I'll just remain here for a little bit. I'd like to invite maybe a couple of the elders to come up forward as well. But if you'd like us to ask a special prayer For maybe your mission impossible. That by praying together we can seek the Lord and gain strength. Let us bow our heads. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that nothing is too hard for you. We're so thankful for these illustrations and stories and testimonies and facts in the Bible from creation all the way through uh, the life of Christ. And to the end of the story of the resurrection and the new earth, we can see that you love us, you are there for us, and you'll help us through each day as we face our little trials. They may be huge trials sometimes, but Lord, we trust in you that nothing is impossible. And so we'd like to give our hearts to you this morning. We'd like to Give you our sins, our habits, our addictions, our temper, our pride, everything that that is sinful to us, we want to give it to you, Lord, this morning. And We ask that you will take that to the cross, that we, like Paul, can say, I am crucified with Christ, yet I don't live, but Christ lives within me. This morning we're asking you to live within us, that we may be changed and experienced that new covenant, experience being born again and answering that prayer that you prayed in John 17, the night before you were crucified, your last will and testament, that we may be one with you. And so, Father, this morning we ask that we may be one with you, that you may live within us, is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.